Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to episode 8 of the Spider Scoop Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Noah Goldberg with ESPN Richmond, and I'm joined by my co-host. He's a struggling Charlotte Hornets fan, but more importantly, writes about the Spiders for A-10 Talk, and that's Austin Daisy. Austin, I would ask you how you're doing, but I think I know how you're doing. We're all pretty disappointed right now. Yeah, living in a sportsless world is definitely strange, but um, hopefully this passes sooner than later. Yeah. It's, I, I think, like you said, the sportsless world is really strange right now. Um, you know, we talked about it with Nick, but I think that's the one thing that's just a consistency, especially this time of year. You know, we've got NBA going on, NHL's going on, college basketball, March Madness is supposed to be this time of year, Masters is coming up, baseball spring training with opening day soon. And, you know, when you get locked in your house, you, you put sports on, and it's just not there. Um, I think I'm obviously biased and I think you are too, because we're very tuned into the sports world. So for us, when a guy like Rudy Gobert tests positive for coronavirus and actually just now, like we talked about Kevin Durant actually just tested positive, which is insane. Um, but, but when we see stuff like that, I think that's when it really hit home for us that this whole pandemic situation is very, very, very real. And it's not, you know, an elderly person disease it's not it's not a chinese virus that's not that's not what it is you know this is a real pandemic that can affect everybody um and i think that the, the sports world just being essentially canceled has kind of been a watershed yeah no because you always look at sports as being being your release and what you do when something like this is happening but mm-hmm. when it gets shut down because of something like this and we see famous athletes get it it's like wow yeah like you said this is real and mm. there's no escaping it unless we just get smart mm. so did you actually did you make it up to new york or did you stay home before no i didn't I actually on sunday i changed my flight from thursday morning to friday morning gotcha um, just because i booked my flight really early uh-huh. um not really knowing Richmond was going to be the two seed. So I went ahead and changed that. So luckily I got to avoid all that chaos up there. Unlike you, who mm-hmm. you were up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was no, I mean, I literally drove through new Rochelle. I d- didn't stop and get out. You know, it was just on a highway. We passed the exit, but I mean, that they, they have a containment zone there. I mean, they're literally locked down with the national guard. Um, yeah, it was, it was surreal. I mean, you know, for me, I think for both of us, you know, obviously this is my second year covering the team, your first year, but this was going to be both of our first time in Brooklyn for the A-10 tournament. Neither of us had done that before. Um, and to just have it ripped away like that was, I don't even know. I don't even know what my reaction was. I haven't, it still really hasn't hit me yet. It's still, especially because I was just on spring break. So now that I'm home, it just kind of feels like a continuation of that somewhat. Um, but I think as the time goes by, um, it's really going to hit us, but enough of negative because we had, we had plenty of that with Nick. Um, so let's talk, let's talk some good, some positives, some good things. Um, you know, this team had really an incredible year. Um, you know, Nick obviously had a great year. You know, we really felt like he was the X factor. 
Um, and I think it was really great to see him hit his stride, especially in the last, you know, down the stretch heading into what could have been the tournament. Blake comes in as a transfer and leads the team in scoring. You know, obviously Jacob Gilliard, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Grant Golden makes his defense. I mean, there's just lists and lists of positives. Um, so when you look back at this year, you know, it's obviously a success. But, you know, what, what did you see? What were your biggest takeaways from the season, especially the turnaround that they had? Yeah, no, um, it really was phenomenal. Um, the only Richmond game I went to last year was their loss to Longwood. And I was Oof. just like, man. Like That'll this, turn you off. Yeah, this team's not not performing where they should. So to have the turnaround they did to win 24 games this year after their game last year, I mean, it was just phenomenal. And I've said it all year. I almost feel like they're ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. So I'm even more excited to see what this team brings to the table um, starting in November. Yeah. Um, the, I think one of the big conversation topics and you know big uh, narrative that we've heard from players on the team was always, yeah, next year you know this team is really in line to be great next year, but we're special right now and we can do something right now, and they proved that they certainly did. But at the end of the day, there's a reason that conversation was next year could be really special because next year they're going to be really really good. And I know a lot of the A10 there actually are not a lot of seniors, so there's a lot of other teams in the same boat. You know, obviously Dayton is losing. Owe Toppin is not a senior, but he's going to be gone. Um, but if you look at a team like St. Louis, they're pretty much returning most of their team. Duquesne returns a lot of its team. Um, there's there, This is going to be a really, really good conference next year. But I, I think personally, I, some people have seen St. Louis picked preseason favorites. And I wouldn't, I, I think it is Richmond. I wouldn't hate that, especially because I think matchup-wise, St. Louis is poised to actually beat Richmond. Um, but I look at this team, I think they're the favorites in the conference next year. The attack obviously is super, super balanced, and I think just the, really the biggest thing is you know you I think you nailed it. Um, you spoke all the time that they were their own worst enemies, and I think that you know the more and more they play together, obviously the the less they're going to be their own worst enemies. The more consistency there will be, the more they're able to play together. We really saw that at the end of the season, especially with that Duquesne game. But they go on a four zero win streak to win uh, to win out. Um, so when you look at this team, do you think they're the favorites in the A10 next year? You know, what do you see? Do you see them improving? You know, what do you see that's going to be different next year? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be a little biased, but looking at it from a non-Richmond fan standpoint, mm-hmm. I do believe that they should be the favorites of the conference next year. Like you said, Dayton's losing, topping a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be really fun to watch us and St. Louis because I do think those are going to be the two, and especially bringing in a freshman like Andre Weir. Um, to see if we potentially use him early on um, mm. playing a team such as St. Louis where yeah. they just bullied us down low. So it'd be exciting to see what this team brings to the table. Yeah, Weir's in it. He's a, that's going to be a wild card because he's you know obviously a freshman, but you know who knows, maybe he's going to be like the Jimmy Bell for St. Louis where mm. you know I don't think they'll start him. Like Jimmy Bell they were kind of using as a starter, but then he'd only play like 12 minutes a game. But against like Richmond, the way they did use him is – kind of an inexperienced guy but they saw the matchup and they saw well jimmy bell is this big big bodied freshman let's pound it against richmond and it worked you know maybe richmond can do that with weir um but i think another guy that's going to be really interesting and he's been a big uh a talking point for us has been tyler burton and you and i we kind of went back and forth there were times earlier in the year we were kind of like should tyler start over nate and i think nate really solidified it uh, down that stretch where nate was just playing really good basketball um, but it'll be interesting. Do you think I asked you this a few pods ago and now I want to see if anything has changed. There's a whole off season ahead of us. Do you think that the Richmond starting five will be the exact same when we begin the year as it was when we ended this season? Um, that's, that's a really good question. Def- definitely game one. Mm-hmm. I would assume 
Um, I'd give it even maybe five games where, depending on how things go, I could very easily see the same starting five we have right now. But mm-hmm. like you said, with, I mean, Burton's still just a freshman. He'll be coming in next year as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Andre, still young. So, no, I mean, potential's there for anybody to start. But yeah. me personally, I, I hope and think that Mooney will still go with the same five, especially with how KO started playing towards the end of the season. Yeah. I think for a team that doesn't lose anybody and doesn't have like roster turnover per se they actually have a lot of i don't want to call them question marks because that implies that there's issues they need to fix but a lot of unknowns in this offseason um obviously with the two freshmen isaiah wilson who's probably the heir to jacob gilliard um smaller point guard highest rate recruit they've had so you know i've kind of sounds like he's going to be the guy that kind of apprentice is the apprentice to jacob learns under him this year and takes over um, you have him coming in, so we got to see, you know, what's his role going to look like this year. Like you mentioned, Andre Weir, still just a verbal commit, but probably pretty much going to Richmond. Um, and then also you got a guy like Connor Crabtree. Um, he was a really, really athletic freshman at Tulane, guy that can shoot the ball off the dribble, dynamic player. Um, what do you think his role is going to look like next year, especially, you know, in a, in a pretty crowded backcourt? Yeah, no, especially with seeing how much Mooney liked to rotate KO and Burton mm-hmm. and um, even Sal. So, no, I can definitely expect him to see some solid playing time. And like you said, he's super athletic. This is becoming a team of just pure athleticism. Mm-hmm. And, no, I think he can definitely fit in and see maybe 10, 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, I think I, I would say if his minutes cut into anyone, it might be Andre. Um, obviously, Andre's mm-hmm. been in the system longer. But you just look at like the roles they play in terms of just like a playmaking guard that can come in. I think Connor's a little bit more of a scorer than Andre is. And I'd say Andre's probably a better defender. But Connor, I think he's worked on his defense a lot, is a better defensive player. But you know, he's also coming off surgery, he's coming off an injury, so you know, there's gonna be a lot of unknowns with him. But I kind of agree with you. I think that opening day, this is gonna be the same starting five as it was last year, and I think it doesn't matter what happens this offseason. I think if Tyler plays out of his mind, he's it's still gonna start Nate because and obviously, too, if um, if there's any implication, indication at any point that, you know, Nate wasn't going to start, especially as a senior, I would think he'd probably transfer. And I don't think he has by any means wants to transfer at all. I think there's no indications of that. But just, you know, for whatever reason, someone's like, Tyler's going to start. You know, Nate's a senior. He probably wouldn't want to do that. Um, so I think he's going to start regardless. I think that, you know, they're not going to change anything because they had so much success. And like you said, you know, why mess with success? Um, so I can see this team pretty much looking the same. But like we said, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of offseason a lot of basketball to be played so you know who knows what this team looks like in october um so yeah. what do you think we asked nick if you are coach mooney if you're chris mooney this team is you know pretty well rounded you know they're probably their biggest weakness i mean i guess you could say it's the interior game but you know grant obviously was great nate was great down the stretch they played pretty good defense down there um they can sh- obviously shoot the three well like where what is the one part of this team's game that you look at and say this should be the point of emphasis this summer um, no, it's really crazy. They have to sit here and really, really think about that. Yeah. Especially how, I mean, just between last year and this year, I mean, it was night and day. So that mm-hmm. right there, I think just speaks on Mooney and when he wants to get something done, he'll get it done. Yep. Um, no matter what, but, um, me personally, obviously they shot the ball well, especially at the beginning of the year and mm-hmm. towards the end, but I would like to see the interior defense, um, get a little bit better. We give up a lot of offensive rebounds, yep. but, um, Besides that, I mean, everything else, like you said, is very balanced and um, just a well-rounded group of guys where we can have um, 
Francis score 20 points. Gilliard doesn't have to score, but two give us five steals. So yeah. it's just kind of whoever steps up to the plate any given game. So no mm-hmm. interior defense. If I had to pick one specific thing for this team, do you think that you touched on Blake there? Um, so this is a conversation we've had many times, but you know where Blake is obviously a phenomenal offensive player and really a great defensive player too. He's a bucket getter. He's you know he's probably I wouldn't say he's the best offensive player overall. But if you're just, you know, you're just playing one-on-one, whatever, you're saying, which guy just, I need a bucket right now. I think we'd all say Blake's that guy on that team. But with that attitude, with that chip on the shoulder, with that, you know, kind of Mamba mentality, at times gets the, whether it's the tunnel vision, takes the pull-up three with 22 seconds on the clock. Um, You know, we've seen him be inefficient at times. Do you think that's an adjustment he needs to make this summer, whether it's Coach Mooney talking to him about shot selection, um, or do you think that, you know, like we said, like against Duquesne, I think, you know, he didn't take a lot of threes, so he could kind of kind of rein that in. Do you think there's something that needs to change with him, or is he just a volume guy and that's just the way he is, and it quite honestly worked pretty well this year? Yeah, no. Um, I think that he's somebody that's obviously smart enough and knows the game well enough mm-hmm. to now see, like, okay, wow, the guys around me, I've got a pretty solid support cast. Yeah. And kind of like Gilliard, we saw Gilliard kind of, feel like he had to carry the weight when Blake was out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I think the guys kind of, like you just said, they look to Blake for the guy to get a bucket. So mm-hmm. I don't think things will change too much just because just based on the success that they had this year. Yeah. But no, there's one thing that um, I guess he could work on. It would be, like you said, the tunnel vision was a good description. It just feels like he gets that mm-hmm. almost a little bit of rage and yeah. says, I'm scoring this no matter what happens. We saw a lot of plays in transition where, we felt that he should have passed and yep. didn't. He drew a foul, but you just mm-hmm. feel like there were tons of moments where he could have gotten an easy dish and yeah. put an easy layup. Yeah. So speaking of drawing a foul, I would say I think if there's one point of emphasis, I think for them it needs to be getting to the free throw line, mm-hmm. um, especially when you look at, you know, with the team that poses a potential mismatch um, with you, that's obviously St. Louis. So I think that's the kind of game where, you've got to look at that team and feel very comfortable getting into a free throw line battle because they're one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country. So I think that's a game you want to make into a physical, maybe not physical game because they're more physical than you, but you know, have, have a chippy game where you're okay fouling each other. Um, this team was one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country this year after a terrible last year. We've obviously talked about Nate who went from a sub 60% free throw shooter to a guy that was flirting with 80%. Um, I think I think the only guy that really needs to improve his free throw shooting would be Grant, and he wasn't terrible. You know, he was like high sixties, low seventies, so it wasn't bad. He's actually, um, yeah, seventy one point three. Finished with seventy one point three. There you go. Um, yeah. So, I, but I think for them, I think they can get to the line more. I think there are a lot of games when they could have slowed mm-hmm. it down. Um, I look at a guy like Jacob Gillard, and he is one of the craftiest and quickest guys um, on the court. And obviously, like you said, there are so many other scoring options around him, especially when Blake came back, that he was able to kind of take a backseat from scoring-wise and distribute. But I do think there were kind of times when they weren't, you know, when Nick went cold and they weren't finding the back of the rim and Blake was taking wild shots. They weren't really getting much on offense when Gilly kind of kind of stayed in that backseat. And I'd like to see, and I don't want to single out Gilly because this is just an example. Um, this is kind of goes for the whole team, but I think they need to attack the rim more because he's and he can get to the lane so well. Use that pick and roll game with Grant, so I think they need to get to the line a lot more next year. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I almost felt like they didn't really start getting to the line until that game at ODU, where you know we had dominant three point shooter Golden knock down that buzzer beater. But mm-hmm. no, that was the first time they really 
seem to kind of have a strategy of, okay, let's get to the line. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be another point of emphasis this offseason. And like we saw with KO with um, his free throw turnaround. So anybody mm-hmm. on this team is capable of um, switching gears and turn it up next year. And I'm just looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. So I pull up the stats and Richmond was this season finished 12th in the entire country, 12th in free throw percentage, seven, seven, 77.6. They were 299th in free throw attempts. So I think that right there kind of speaks for itself. Um, And, you know, we've seen free throws be the difference maker. You know, we talked earlier in the year, but when we looked back at that VCU game last year when they got blown out in the Seagull Center, um, that was a game where they missed, like, over 10 free throws in that game. And we looked back, and if they hit, like, eight more of them, it would have been a five-point game. It never would have been a blowout, and that could have been a game that won. So I think yeah. for them, they need to attack the basket a lot more. But other than that, like you said, I think that there isn't really one glaring hole like there was last. Like last year, it was obviously like interior defense and rebounding. You know, they were giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. So I think that was the glaring issue. And I guess that'd still be one of their weaknesses if you had to pick one. But um, really, I think the biggest thing for them, if I, other than free throw shooting and get it, like getting to the line, would have to be just getting guys to click. And I don't know if you can really focus, like, all at the same time, getting everyone, you know, like we said, like, Nick has that on and off switch, and having him be on all the time. And I, I don't know how you figure out how to do that. Um, I don't, because you, you can't practice chemistry, like, it doesn't work like that. Um, but I think for them, and especially, I think also being able to integrate guys, because you're going to have an even deeper bench next year, like we've said. Um, you know, this year, they're consistently going four or five guys into their bench, Next year, you're going to have three new guys added to this roster that in some capacity are all capable, not that they will, but are all capable probably of contributing in some role right away. Um, so I think being able to integrate guys in and out um, where you don't need your five guys on the court to be this dominant offensive threat, like being able to put Andre in there and still have your offensive rating stay above 110. Um, so what do, what do you think would be the biggest thing for them in terms of whether it's Nick having that on switch all the time or whether it's Gilly consistently hitting threes, you know, how, how do you think they address that next year? Um, yeah, no, towards the end of the season, we definitely saw how much of an X factor Sherrod can be, especially when he's hitting threes. I think he hit eight over the past two, mm-hmm. um, last two games. And, um, no, I think he will be yet again, the X factor again, because I mean, if he's hitting, it's, there's four other guys that are going to hit as well. And mm-hmm. we're going to be really dangerous and tough to stop. But, all in all, I, I just really still my main thing takes me to interior defense. But mm-hmm. you brought up a good point with um, Gilliard because he had stretches at the beginning of the season where, I mean, he was just knocking them down. And mm-hmm. then we saw Blake go down, um, got hurt. And then Gilliard, I don't want to say he felt the pressure, but he felt the need to, to take over and score. So yeah. we know he has that in him. It's just a matter of is that something that he needs to do or mm-hmm. is it something that – it's just good to have in case we need it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, so you talk about interior defense um, and we look at this team, obviously Grant and that's probably the biggest thing for them is the fact that Grant lost 15 pounds and all of a sudden became quick and was really good on the interior uh, and defense. Um, Nate obviously was really good. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing for us is we looked at, you and I went in over and over. We were like, get Matt Grace the fuck off the court. There were so many moments. I'm sorry I, if you're listening, Matt. Um, and, and, and as much as I hate on him, he actually, there were a lot of things that I was impressed by Matt um, where I didn't give him a lot of credit. There were actually 
for not a very strong guy. He actually did okay on the offensive glass sometimes. I think got him a lot of second chances. He's a guy, one of their few big men that can actually stretch the floor. But I think that when you look at their weakness yeah. defensively, um, like you and I compared about before where kind of Matt was really getting a lot of those minutes from Sal. And we were kind of like, because Sal's defensive metrics are significantly better than Matt's, but his offensive metrics are horrible and he can't stop fouling, whereas Matt's a little bit more able to stay on the floor. But at the same time, you know, once you get past Nate and once you get past Grant, Tyler's really that next guy that comes in defensively for that sub, which is great for one guy, but it's like, okay, so you're, but if you put Tyler in like, then Grant, then the only other sub is Matt Grace. So it's like when you have Nate and Grant both off the court, how comfortable do you feel with Tyler and Matt both up there? This year, Andre Weir's coming in. A really big bodied, I'm trying to pull up his metrics, but a real I think he's like 6'9, 6'10, really big bodied young kid. I expect him to be really, really raw, but I've actually seen some tape and he's actually caught pretty soft hands, pretty skilled touch around the rim, so he could actually score right away. But for as good as Isaiah Wilson is in being their highest rated recruit, I could actually see Andre Weir between him, Connor, and Isaiah getting the most minutes of those three new guys this year, strictly because I could see him totally cutting into the Matt Grace, Sal Caressi minutes. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. We talked about um, the rotations, and we were talking about what we wanted to see in Brooklyn, and we both kind of had the same um, mentality there. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. But um, no, yeah, I definitely could see um, him coming in and swooping up some minutes from Sal, especially if Sal picks up you know a foul per minute <laughs> like, he, yeah. like he has been. So, oh, so here it goes. It, this was from July, according to Prep Hoops. Andre Weir is six foot ten, two hundred sixty-five pounds. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he dropped like ten or fifteen. But either way, that's that's a big body that they could really use. So, I could, I could see him having an impact pretty early, which is you know pretty interesting to say for a team that doesn't have any seniors. Um, so, I guess to wrap it up, look at this team next year. You know, you and I both said we both think this team is the favorite in the A-10 next year. What are your predictions for how they do next year? March Madness, Sweet 16, NIT, win the A-10. What do you think this team does next year? Uh, no, especially being deprived of what would have been the first four <laughs> playing tonight. We were, I mean, all eyes were going to be on Dayton tonight as we were playing in the tournament, yep. supposedly. But um, So, no, it's definitely NCAA or bust. And mm-hmm. this year, it was almost kind of let's just get there. Yep. Obviously, you want to make some noise when you get there. But next year, I mean, they're going to be more hungry. Um, obviously, every other team in the country is going to be as well. But mm-hmm. knowing this team, none of these guys here have ever made it to March Madness. So there's going to be an even bigger chip on their shoulder. And I'm t- I really do believe they'll win the A-10. Mm-hmm. They'll win the tournament. And don't be surprised for a deep run in March. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, this is just a full team where no matter who's on the court, um, you just feel like somebody's going to get you a bucket and somebody's going to get you a stop or a block when needed. So yep. now obviously it's really early and I'm kind of just numb to the fact that we don't have sports going on right now, but mm-hmm. based on all my NCAA basketball 10 simulations, which <laughs> one's obviously going to at least make the final four. <laughs> now I, I have a ton of confidence in these guys and it's definitely an NCAA tournament team next year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, and I know there's obviously, you know, we've said before, you know, there is never a guarantee that when you return the same team, you're going to get better. I know that's true, but I just look at the trajectory this team is on and I look at how, even though they're old, they're also still young where, you know, like we said, guys like Tyler, Isaiah coming in next year, Connor's going to be a sophomore. 
Um, and I, and I think especially the way that we saw them progress through this year where they weren't very up, like they were up and down, but generally as the year went on, they got better. You know, we saw them get better down the stretch. We saw the defense progressively, uh, get, get progressively better. Um, so I, I only see them improving next year and being more consistent. I think this team, I think they will. I think a lot of it depends on scheduling in terms of, I think they're definitely going to be the one or the two seed again in the A-10. I think it kind of just depends on scheduling between them and St. Louis and how those matchups go, because I still really am not confident um, going against St. Louis. Um, so we'll see, but who knows? Maybe Andre Weir ends up playing a major factor in that role, but I'm going to say they're definitely going to have a top two finish in the conference. I think they're going to win the conference tournament next year. And like you said, this there's, I, I can't, I can't imagine this team not making uh, March Madness next year, but had a bite, I've had to bite my tongue before. I've had to eat my words. You know, we saw after that plus nine tweet. Um, so I've been there before. But yeah, unfortunate ending to the season. Um, you know, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective, both in and outside of sports. Um, but at the end of the day, just, you know, thankful that this team does come back next year with all the same guys and couldn't be more excited for next season. Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it from us. Episode eight. Um, I don't know yet if we're going to be doing weekly or not. We still got to figure that out in the off season. I'm hoping to have some more episodes coming up for you guys soon, but appreciate everyone that followed along with us uh, throughout this incredible Richmond season. Uh, More content coming on the way, more writing. Um, So that's it from us. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and all other social media at Noah Goldberg, 10 Austin at Austin Daisy 11 um, on Twitter. So check us out both on there. Uh, He's with a 10 talk. I'm with ESPN Richmond. So go check that stuff out. And we'll see y'all later. Not the best of circumstances, but we welcome on, nonetheless, Nick Sherrod. Nick, how's it going, my man? Doing good. How you guys? We're good. We're good. Um, everybody make it home safe. Y'all good in Richmond, staying healthy? Yeah, for sure. Everybody's, everybody got back uh, this weekend, so everybody's all good. Mm. Yeah, it's been really weird, man. Lockdown, we're down here. I made the drive to Florida on Saturday, drove 13 hours straight through, but we made it down. Um, so, yeah, crazy. Uh, you had a little bit of a crazy uh, end of the week last week, Wednesday and Thursday, huh? Yeah, uh, that's something I definitely never gave one of the craziest couple out, uh, 48 hours of, of my life for sure. Yeah, I think it's certainly been the weirdest week of my life, and I, I'd quite honestly say this has probably been the strangest past seven days probably in the history of sports i mean we've yeah. we, you know, we've had things after 9-11 i think different sports were canceled and or postponed and stuff but i think march madness has been played every year since i want to say 1939 something like that since it started so uh certainly year firsts um we're gonna talk about a lot of different stuff um i know you were on the radio last night so i'm gonna try to not make you rehash some stuff you got into but obviously things we got to talk about um well, first, I just want to start off, let's go through like some of the events that happened. So I think most of this stuff started on Wednesday, obviously. You guys are in Brooklyn for the A-10 tournament, not playing till Friday, but you guys were there. So Wednesday, they play the first games. In early afternoon, the Ivy League obviously cancels their tournament well before everyone else does. And I think the Ivy League's kind of out on their own island where, you know, it's the Ivy League. They haven't always had a conference tournament. You know, they don't play a neutral site. Like, it's kind of a weird... Um, so they're, they're, we know they're out on their own thing, but right away, so they cancel before everyone else. And I think at that moment, that's before all the Rudy Gobert stuff, before anything with like really like no fans are kind of starting to come out um, with different tournaments. So when you see that as a player, what was your instant reaction? Because I know you said on the radio on Friday, I think it was, 
you actually came out and you, or maybe you said it last night where the Ivy League are smart people. You know, there's a reason they're in the Ivy League. So when you look at that, you know, they're obviously good decision makers, but there were a lot of guys on those Ivy League teams that were coming out and saying, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm a senior. I don't get to play again, all these things. So as you as a player, your conference tournament's coming up. You first see that before any other tournaments get canceled. What's your reaction? Oh, uh, yes. I was actually a little bit, uh, when that happened, I was kind of stunned. Uh, we knew that the, that what was going on was pretty serious, but we didn't know really how serious it was at the time, I think. And I think that um, you, like, see on Twitter and on social media and on stuff like that, that, um, like, you hear rumblings about what the reaction is going to be, how leagues are going to handle it. And then when the Ivy League came out like that, I think everybody, everybody's first reaction was just like, that's crazy. How could they do that? All this stuff. But, like I said, I knew that... Um, that something was going to happen. I didn't know. I didn't expect it to, things to go as quickly or um, as, you know, or they were going to be as big as they were. But I, I figured that at that time, you know, we were going to, the way our term was going to be played was going to be different. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be canceled or anything like that. I just kind of just thought things were going to be a little bit different. So when that happened, uh, like I said, I just think that we uh, don't really listen to what the smart people are saying sometimes. And I think we just kind of ignored it. And, and like you said, um, they were, People would just say, hey, they don't usually have a tournament. It's easy for them. But, you know, I, I figured it was going to be something crazy. So when that happened, I knew that it was going to be weird. Mm-hmm. So then later that day, the NCAA tournament announces they're not going to have fans. And then other conference tournaments start following line. Obviously, later, I think Wednesday night, the A-10 announces they're not going to have fans. So at that point, then, you know, I think that's when things really started getting serious. But I don't know about for you and that, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, but for the both of you, I think that. I think it was around like eight or nine at night, the Rudy Gobert situation, you know, the whole, the jazz OKC game. I think especially it was really the way it happened too, where it was literally a doctor running onto the court before tip off. Like it's not like an hour before the game, they shut things down. Like fans are in the stadium. They're probably freaking out. You know, the PA announcers telling them to be safe. So obviously Rudy Gobert test positive. They quarantined both of those teams and I think it was I think it was within like five minutes of that happening, the NBA says we're suspended indefinitely. And for me, I think across sports, not just college or NBA or basketball, I think across all sports, I think that was kind of a watershed moment. I don't know if that was how you kind of felt, but I think at that point for me it really hit. I don't know if that your was your reaction too. Uh yeah, for sure. Um I think when the Warriors, I think they said first they were gonna play with that fans. I think mm-hmm. we all were interested in how that was gonna look and how that was going to happen. And then, like you said, all that stuff happened, me and Tyler, uh, I mean, Tyler on the road, um, and we were watching it, and we were just like, man, like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, uh, I can't even imagine being, like, a fan at uh, at OKC at that time when all that was happening. And mm-hmm. like you said, literally, it was one of the most bizarre circumstances. It wasn't like, you know, uh, before, like, the players were warming up or anything like that. It was literally the game was about to tip off, and they held it up. Um, the story, like, Chris Paul was trying to ask about what was happening. They told me he couldn't go over there, so mm-hmm. I think... Uh, like you said, when the NBA canceled, we knew that uh, we. I knew that it was highly unlikely that we were going to continue playing. Yeah. So, you, so you speak on that. So then we get to Thursday morning now. So that's Wednesday night. Thursday morning, obviously, you know the A10 doesn't cancel right away, but. Um, so you go on the radio that morning. I think you went on ESPN Richmond, and you came out and said right away, like you were like, I don't understand how they can send players out under these conditions. And I think at that time, we were starting to move towards, you know, everyone was kind of agreeing, like, okay, you know, maybe we do need to cancel these conference tournaments, whereas, like we said the day before, you know, people criticize the Ivy, things were up in the air. But you kind of came out right away and said that. Was that, at that point in time, like, early in the morning, Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, 
Um, was that kind of the consensus in the locker room where a lot of guys kind of feeling like, I don't know how we can play? Or was it kind of split where there's some guys that were really adamant that they're like, I don't care about this. I'm young. I'm healthy. No one on the team's tested. No one in college. Like, I think we should just play through this. Yeah, I think that I feel like the majority of the guys understood the circumstances of what was going on. We were literally watching everything live on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. The president came in and announced everything was happening so fast. I think we all knew it was serious. I think obviously everybody wanted to play, and if it was safe to play, guys wanted to play, but then we knew that it was going to be different. It was crazy uh, at the hotel in Brooklyn, like four, like six teams, like we all stay on the same floor. Mm-hmm. So as I'm as I'm um, doing the interview, the BC players are going up, like coming back from like their walkthrough. Oh wow! I'm, like, I can't even ima- I can't even imagine like not even knowing if I'm going to be able to play that day. Like they have to get ready for a game in three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was wild. But uh, yeah, I think we as a team we kind of knew that we weren't going to play, but I think guys were obviously upset about it. But at the same time, we understood. Uh, yeah i don't even know how you can focus on that because even if they do decide to go through and play it like how you can even be on the court you know i i mean you couldn't have focused on a game if, you, if they sent you out there there's no way your head's gonna be yeah. in that yeah, yeah we, we, we were they announced it that the Eagle tournament was gonna get canceled like 11 55 uh. and like we, we were literally about to walk to practice at 12 to go practice so mm-hmm. Everything was happening. Like Duquesne was walking back in the gym from back in the hotel, from Bearshoot around. Like teams were flowing in and out because you didn't know what was gonna happen, so you still had to get ready. But mm. yeah, as we were getting taped, maybe like like thirty minutes before, we were we were all on our phones. Like, okay, the ACC canceled, the SEC canceled. Winter, like, are we still gonna like what's going on? So mm. it was it was wild. Yeah. So I think at the, at that point, then later in the day, I want to say. I think it was around like a little bit after four is obviously when March Madness gets canceled. So I know you guys were obviously on the team bus. I think you guys were going to the airport. Um, so when you guys first see that news, there's obviously a, a flow of emotions and reactions. You know, this is obviously a team that's had a couple 20 loss seasons. And now all of a sudden you're knocking on the door of the NCAA tournament. You know, you're obviously one of the leaders on the team. Um, there's a couple things I want to ask you about it, but obviously first, your first thoughts on it? Um, how, did, how does the team handle it? I'm sure you know there's a mixture of anger and sadness and understanding, but at, or at that point, is it kind of just you know you kind of figured it was kind of coming just based on the previous events, the other tournaments getting canceled? Yeah, I, I think that um, we had all mentally prepared for this being a possibility. I think we were holding our hope that maybe we could play with our new fans and maybe they would mm-hmm. wait a couple weeks to, to play. So I think when we got the news that it was just outright canceled, I think that um, that was that was just a scene that I'll never forget. Everybody was just silent. Like we all got at the same time. Mm-hmm. Everybody got the same notifications, all that stuff, and everybody was just silent. Like nobody really, like, w- like we knew that this was like an historical moment. So like you get that sense, but it's also just like, man, like, like this season like has come down to like these next three, four games and like now it's just, over before we even get a chance to play before we even get a chance to put the jersey on so yeah it was great yeah so after that moment nick was there ever like a was it like a sense of panic or was it more of a just a kind of state of shock when you figured out that it was straight up canceled like you just said um yeah i think that the panic came from we felt like we were in new york and we were just like man let's get out of here like we understood like the numbers and all this stuff and we just, we were like, let's be safe. And then, like, as soon as we, I think for me, and I know a couple of my teammates were the same way, I think that when we landed in Richmond and got the team bus back to campus, I think that's when we all felt it. Like, man, like, it's over just like that. Like, we were literally in Brooklyn getting ready to go to practice, and now we're on a team bus getting ready to pull, pull all of our stuff away, put our shoes back in the locker. 
Um, we got I think we got the email on the bus too that like school was getting canceled and all that stuff. So I think everything just hit us at the same time. So I think we were all just so we were just so upset about everything and yeah. it, was, it was just a crazy, crazy, crazy flow of emotions. Was there a guy on that bus? I know obviously you said it was silent and you know, I don't I mean, even you can't there's no words to describe it when you get that news, but at some point was there a guy, whether it was you or Grant or Coach Mooney that you know, the first guy that stood up and kind of addressed the team? No, we didn't even uh, like we got back to Richmond, we got in the lo- we sat in the locker room as a team, and we were silent, and like we didn't even say anything until Coach Mooney addressed it. I don't think anybody talked about it. I, think, I don't think anybody. We like it was just like again, we were all we literally were all sitting in the locker room by ourselves, just like just trying to process everything, and again, nobody addressed it until Coach did. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of how it went. Yeah. That's it's. I mean, it's obviously super cliche, you know. Don't take things for granted because they can be ripped away. But I think, you know, it's it's just real, you know. And I think you, you know, you're you probably know that better than anyone else. Like obviously, you had that injury last year, so I don't even think anyone on the team could probably relate to that more than you can. Um, so kind of kind of speaking of that, I think that um, obviously, you know, we've talked. You know, I have talked earlier in the year about, you know, was it not a blessing in disguise, but you know, kind of did the make the stars align. You having that injury last year, we talked about it in the sense of lining this team up with those seniors, which is great. But now I think more than ever, you know, I know you talked a little bit about it last night, but, you know, that could have been, you know, you could have played in that Duquesne game and not known that you're never playing college basketball again. You know, is there a little bit in the back of your head? It's just like, like, how does like, how does something like this even happen? Like, it's just incredible that things work out that way. Yeah, no, I think that for me, obviously, initially I was upset, but I've kind of had a piece about the situation just because like, uh, like you said, like it could have been my last game, and fortunately, I was able. Fortunately, or unfortunately, however you want to see how what happened, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't. So, uh, giving the opportunity to go through the season again and all this stuff is is great. And like I said, I just I just have a, such a piece about it just because I know that like in my last, everybody's coming back. Like, if even if we had one senior on the team, no matter the, their role, like it would have been heartbreaking. It would have been devastating. But mm-hmm. for everybody to come back, everybody have a chance to do it over again. It's it's not a good feeling, but it, it definitely eases the pain a little bit. Mm. How do you think about, because a lot of people have floated the ideas, like, so obviously you guys don't have seniors, so it's not even an issue, this is just a hypothetical, but for other teams where guys do have seniors, um, you know, you're obviously, you know, you know the grind that goes into this every single day and to have that ripped away. Do you think there should be any kind of consideration from conferences or the NCAA or schools or whoever to grant some of these seniors an extra year of eligibility? Um, I think that obviously as a player and as a guy who has friends who are seniors and all that stuff at other schools, I think that you want them to have that opportunity. But I think like logistically at the same time, like I was talking to my dad about this other day, the other day like um, we only like our team, we only had guaranteed two more games. Like if we lost the quarterfinals, we had the guarantee game and that would have been it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like, do you give seniors 30 more games mm-hmm. just to make up two more? Yeah. Like what do you do about, what do you do about their stats? What do you do about all of that stuff, everything's going to be different. Like, mm-hmm. you got guys who, um, like, and then what about the teams who, like, have seniors that weren't going to go to the tournament? Do you give them their games back? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just hard to sort through all that stuff. So, obviously, you want guys to have their season end in ways that they can control, but at the same time, these are unprecedented circumstances, so you have to kind of just deal with them as they come. So, obviously, you feel for all those guys, but at the same time, I think it would be kind of crazy to have seniors who went through 30 games and say, hey, like, you get to come back and do your whole season over again just to play one or two more games at most. Yeah, and I think there's also, like, there's a lot of issues, like you said with that, where I'm I'm still, like, on the fence about it, but, you know, you also have to think about scholarships, too. I mean, 
if you grant, you know, so you have four seniors on the team and then you have four freshmen coming in the next year, you know, does the NCAA have to make exception roster exceptions for those guys? You know, how does that all work? Um, so, yeah, I think there are a lot of issues. Obviously, you know, you also have to look at draft eligibility too. Like if you're a senior and you're, whether it's you're going pro overseas or you're entering the draft process, you know, obviously the NBA is delayed, so we can assume that process will be pushed back. But, you know, there aren't, the NCAA and NBA are different entities. They're not on the same schedule. So, you know, if they push back the tournament and the guys to pick between the term and the process, I think it's, you know, kind of a, just, it's all madness. I mean, it's all crazy. It's not, like you said, it's unprecedented is the only way you can say it. Um, so the other thing I want to get into too is obviously, you know, you're a student athlete, you know, this obviously affects you drastically in basketball, but you're also, you're also still a college student, just like me, you know, you and I both got the same email from president Crutcher, um, that school was moving to remote classes till April 3rd. And we actually just got, I think it was yesterday. We got an email that they're going to do that for the rest of the semester. Um, you know, you're obviously you're coming back next year. You have another year of eligibility, but academically you are a senior, you're a guy that was looking forward to commencement. You, both you and Grant and Blake, if I'm correct, all three of you guys. Um, what, what was that like for you? Just knowing that th- your last semester as a senior, you know, you're not gonna graduation might not happen. You know, those types of things. And for guys who aren't coming back next year, that really are seniors and moving into the world. Yeah, no, I just feel heartbroken for a lot of those guys. I think that um, it's crazy. Like last Friday or whenever it was, like we're all thinking we're gonna say goodbye to everybody and like we're gonna see you guys in a week. And, like, some of these people, like, you might not get a chance to see them ever again or it's going to be a while. So I think, you know, you look forward to, as a senior, you look forward to this next, uh, the second half of the second semester just because, you know, obviously it's, it's kind of the end of a, of a special time. And for to be taken away like that, I know a lot of my friends are dealing with it. Um, they're taking it pretty hard because, obviously, like you said, graduation, um, the spring, all that stuff is super exciting for, for everybody, mm-hmm. and, um, especially seniors. So for it to end like that is um, – it's tough. Um, I don't know how they're going to move forward with graduation and all that stuff, but you just feel for those guys because you know how much that means for uh, the end of your senior year means, means to you. Yeah, it's a super complicated issue. I mean, you've got obviously people making housing payments and you know dining plans and all these things that no longer matter. Um, you know, are grades going to be passed, fail or not, all these things. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's unprecedented. There's not, been nothing like it. Um, Austin, what's it been like for you? You know, you're you're out in the real world. You're a working man. Are you in home isolation? What's going on with you in terms of this whole situation? Yeah, no, it's definitely been um, definitely been a weird scenario. It's just there really aren't words for what's happening. We've never had a world without anything happening. It's just mm-hmm. coming home every day from work. I um, check out sports, see what's happening, and now it's don't leave your house. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really, really weird. It's almost post-apocalyptic. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's scary. Um, but no, definitely working in a school, it's been, it's been interesting to say the least, especially elementary school. But I do appreciate how everybody within where I live has been handling the situation. And I just hope this passes um, soon, rather sooner than later. Yeah. So you, got, you guys are both in Richmond right now. I'm obviously, I'm down here in Florida with my family. Um, so I've kind of, I was kind of obviously all over the place during the course of these events. So I think I got a unique perspective, like geographically. Um, so obviously I was in, well, first I was in Florida, but that was before this was really going on. And then came to Boston on Tuesday. I was meeting with a surgeon. So I got to see Boston a little bit as things were ramping up, like really in the city up north. Then obviously was in New York, out in Westchester. 
um and and up there the sense of like urgency nick you and i talked about a little bit off air but like the sense of urgency up there was just so different than i feel like someone when i got back to richmond to get my stuff and especially down here in florida but you go to markets and things and it's empty cvs no obviously no purell but like don't even have gloves or like latex gloves like it's all sold out came down here to florida and like my ymca is open people are going to the gym like siesta key is 10 minutes from here there's hella people here on spring break like just turn it up like it's like nothing going on um so what has it been like especially i mean both like especially you nick like you were up in brooklyn and then you came back to richmond what's just the vibe been like you know up north in new york versus down there in richmond and really for both of you is it just like it just feels like a ghost town in richmond doing pretty really anything but it's uh, i'm just being on campus and packing up and it's just like man, everybody's gone mm-hmm. there's nobody around like everybody's just gone about their several ways like even around uh i went to st christopher the other day when high school just like mm-hmm. man nobody's here like nobody's yeah. around like you see people walking around and stuff so it's, it's surreal like you said it's surreal mm-hmm. yeah no it's it believe it or not um i'm actually colonial heights about 30 minutes south of richmond and everything's kind of been the same, which is kind of scary. Mm. I wish more people would just take the precautions and just be safe. It's not that hard to stay inside your house. I mean, yeah, you're asking people to stay inside and play video games all day. <laughs> I feel like that's what a majority of people do. So yeah, no, I just not, if not only for yourself, but just worry about the others that are, that are out there. Cause people our age, we might not feel anything, but mm-hmm. we could still be infected with it. So we just have to be smart. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you said you're inside, you know, it's, you know how bad is this really i mean they're you know we i don't have to do classes this week my midterm got canceled i'm not going to complain about that they're asking me to sit inside and play 2k like it's not that bad um what have you guys been doing to get your sports fixed because you know normally like you said if there's like a snow day or if it's bad weather like you stay inside and watch sports and like we can't even do that now so how are you guys getting your fixes ridiculous amount of video games um I've uh, been logging some hours, um, but also like sometimes you just go back and watch some of the highlights of the season, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Um, it's crazy, like you said. Like I'm used to this time of the year. There's probably there's usually a game on or getting ready to be games on tonight, and then mm-hmm. later in the week there's games on all day. So um, yeah, just a lot of video games, a lot of highlights, a lot of watching old games, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard couple weeks though for sure. Yeah, yeah. And no, I've actually broke out the old Xbox 360, started playing some NCAA basketball 10. So <laughs> created a couple rosters. Uh-huh. Um, Richmond's a little boosted, and I'm a little, a little biased, but no, Nick Sherrod 95 uh, three point rating. It, I think it's around that range to be honest. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, just finding ways to stay occupied without watching the news because it it's just overwhelming. Yeah, it's it's been a really weird balance of at least for me trying to. Like, whether it's looking at the simulation, like, there are, like, a million simulations on brackets and stuff like that in different games. Like, to be honest, like, I haven't even really... Wow, I'm sorry to interrupt my thought, but I just got a news alert that Kevin Durant has coronavirus. Yeah, I was actually holding that up right now. Wow. <laughs> well, that's something. And Ky- I wonder if Kyrie has it. I don't know. But, yeah, I think that just goes back to, like, how... I mean, it, 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 like, it hasn't even hit me yet. Like, I really don't think it's going to hit me until... I don't even know. Like, I really don't even know. But I guess, I okay, getting sports to get back to actually realize like, yeah. what we've missed. Yeah, because like that's where it really hits you at home. Like it's easy to forget. I think when you're here all day, but whatever. That's we've beaten that point. But I think going back to the, like the simulation stuff, like I really haven't looked at those a lot. I think I saw one where 
that guy that put like it had like Richmond in the final four and I was like oh that's cool but I was like none of it means anything you know most of these teams didn't finish their conference tournament so you don't really know what was going to happen um and, and honestly it, it's all kind of moot for me I think for me honestly just looking at that stuff really just makes it worse it just brings the memories back um but that I think that's enough of negative because at the end of the day this was a really great I mean Richmond season like you guys won over 20 games this year second seed for the first time ever in the A10 as much as the ending sucks you I mean how can you be any less excited for what's to come in the future um how do you Nick if, if I was going to ask you what to put it whether it's in one word or maybe a couple words how do you define how the season went for you guys yeah, so I think that, like, the, the blessing that makes us all love March and the conference tournaments is just that, like, it's it's when all the eyes are in the college basketball world. Everybody seems to be, that's when they're most focused on it. The games are most exciting. All the stories are most compelling, all that stuff. So, obviously, that's great, and everybody wants to be a part of that. That's why you play college basketball. But at the same time, I think the curse of it is that, you know, people can tend to define your game, your season, by one or two games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess the, the thing that, I guess, not the good thing, but something you can take away from this is just like you get to really look back and appreciate uh, this season. Uh, mm-hmm. Rarely do you get to end your season and win. Um, and, you know, just the, considering how the past two seasons that went, um, um, all the turmoil and turbulence around the program and all that stuff and the expectations just to have a season that went like this and some of the moments from the first game to the Duquesne win, mm-hmm. it was so much fun. It was so, I'm so glad that I get to be a part of it. and. No, this season's going to mean a lot to me. Obviously, you want to end it in March, end it playing on CBS and all that stuff, but at the same time, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there with, you know, people want to put seasons, you know, define it like I just asked you to do and like one or, you know, whether it's one word or one moment. And I was thinking about like before this, I was like, I, I was thinking about asking you, you know, what's one moment that really defined the season for you? And I kind of thought about it and I don't f- really feel like there was any one defining moment this year. I think there were a lot of like marks, to, like marks, but you look at whether it's the beginning of the year, you had those first two games where you obviously had the 10 point comeback. Um, you guys were down late. Um, was it St. Francis PA or Cal state? Yeah. And then obviously the Vanderbilt game two overtime games. And I think those obviously set the tone for you guys. Cause they're comeback wins. They're overtime wins, but I wouldn't call them defining because you let up over 90 points in those games. And then you became a lockdown defense. Second, most efficient in the conference. So I don't think those defined it. I looked at the Wisconsin game, and obviously that's a huge moment. You guys beat what ended up becoming the Big Ten champions. Um, but I, that wasn't a defining moment for me because you guys only scored 62 points. So I know as an offense, that wasn't a defining moment for you guys. I really think it was just – and I think that was what was so special about this year is that just with every change, whether it's from the non-conference to the Wisconsin game to the conference games, is that you guys just kept building and building and building. I think for me, I would say the biggest point for me, I think the, the turning point of our season was at Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. I think we had came off of two losses against Alabama and Radford that were pretty tough. And um, Rhode Island had a lot of um, hype surrounding it. They beat Providence and all that stuff. And I think people thought we were going to lose that game. That was going to be, you know, that was going to be how our season was going to be. We go back to how we were playing the past couple of years. And I think that, you know, I think that at that point our season could have went one or two ways if we would have lost that game. Um, and for us to come out and play the way we played at their place. And mm-hmm. uh, that was a super, for me, that was the moment that I'm going to look back on and be like, man, that's, that that really changed the way our season went. Mm-hmm. Even more than the first game of the season when we had to make that comeback. I think that game against Rhode Island where people kind of didn't didn't know what to expect from us. And then we lost those two games. And then, you know, Rhode Island's a tough place to play. And they had a good team. And 
Yeah, I think especially showing, you know, going against a guy like Cyril Landevine, where you guys have been criticized for your physicality and your presence on the interior, and you guys just did a great job against him and really showed that you could win in really just a multitude of ways. Um, Austin, any, like, moments that really define it for you this year that you look back on? Um, yeah, like you said, there's not really one specific, but obviously living in Richmond my whole life, it was really fun to witness the beatdown of VCU at home. <laughs> Especially Nick. You we know Nick had fun in that seven, one. Five of seven from deep. So yeah, I know you enjoyed that one too. But um, no, all in all, I mean, it was just, it was a heck of a year. And I just wish that y'all could have gotten some closure out of it. I know the fans want it. I know mm-hmm. y'all want it and the coaching staff. But um, we're excited for next year, man. We're, mm-hmm. we're behind you and we can't wait. Yeah, definitely. So you look ahead to next year, Nick. Um, it's going to be bringing everyone back. It's going to be crowded next year. You got Connor coming in, obviously Isaiah, uh, highest rated recruit you guys have had. And I know, you know, it's hard to talk about Andre cause he's only a verbal commit, but prop most likely Andre, we are coming in as well. Um, how do you look, what, what are your, ex- there's expectations for goals for next year? Um, it's going to be a lot different this season cause you guys are the same team, but you know, Peg does the six seed going into the season, you know, people thought you guys were going to be better, but a lot of fans coming in that still were like, you know, these guys aren't going to win the A-10. These guys aren't going to make the tournament. You know, this is ridiculous. And obviously, I think you proved them wrong. But now you do come in where there's a pretty reasonable chance you guys could be the preseason favorites um, to win this conference. Um, yeah, the, the, it's, it's super exciting that when, um, obviously, everybody wants to be the, the, hunt, the hunter and, you know, go after people on this year. Nobody really expected anything from us, and that the expectations were low, and that, you know, I think we kind of snuck up on people. And I'm excited to have the chance um, in my last year to be the team that people are looking forward to get some of the teams in our league, like Dayton and VCU, and you're kind of envious of them because when they go on the road, they play teams, people get up for them, people are excited. Um, and obviously, we, we think we're going to be, we have a chance to win the league. Um, we thought we had a chance to win the league this year, but uh, obviously, Dayton had an incredible season, but... Mm-hmm. Thing going next year, I think we feel like that you know it's going to be a lot of fun when we have to go into games with the target on our back, and we feel like people are going to be expecting us to perform, and we want to meet those expectations and surpass them. We think we have a team to do it, uh, even better depth, and a lot of guys are coming back and even more experience and even more hungry. And I think and next year's going to be next year's going to be a lot of fun uh, if it goes with it. Uh, it should. Yeah. Um. So I think obviously last year the off season, your pretty clear emphasis was defense going in. Um, and I'm sure, you know, it's still going to be something you guys work on, but I think you guys accomplished that pretty well. I mean, second most efficient defense in the conference. Um, is there a particular thing that you think this team is now going to build on this offseason going into next year, or is it really just solidifying it, bring it all together, and just getting everyone clicking at the same time? Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be a big emphasis. I think also we're going to try to work on uh, getting off to better starts. I think that at times we got off to slow starts during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we still feel like we can be a, a better defensive team. Um, we feel like we can. Um, our offense can be even better. So I think there's always things to work on. Obviously, uh, we don't want to. I don't think we want to sit back and say we cleaned up everything because there's still uh, a lot, of, a long way to go, and we uh, didn't do everything that we wanted to do in terms of. Uh, there were some games that we let slip away and stuff like that, but I think for the most part we're just gonna come in with the focus being on still being a really good defensive team. Yeah, no, I think next year, I think everyone's looking forward to it. I mean, you guys really, really got a shot to go to the tournament, and you know, it really sucks that this wasn't the first year since 2011. But really exciting going into next year. Um, that's pretty much it for me, Austin. You got anything else? Uh, 
and then uh, just stay safe and can't yeah. wait for next season. Yeah, keep everyone healthy. All right, appreciate it, Nick. Your face, cause inside you know. 